we have been in this series about Jesus at work. Uh, we've been uh, five weeks, this is our sixth week, talking about um, how it is that we live out our faith in the midst of work. And, and you remember, we're defining work pretty broadly here. So it's, it's work that you're getting paid for. It's work that you do as a retired person. It's work that you do in school. It, it's, it's all over the time. Whenever you're there, it's, if you're a stay-at-home person... It, you know, it's there. It, it's all work and activity with God. So we've been talking about how God shows up in the midst of all that stuff and how we do that. And, and I, I hope and trust that you have really enjoyed the uh, the stories that have been, been told. I, I got to thinking about that. I thought, you know, if we could sit down with one another, I would almost guarantee that all of us would have stories, work-related stories about how God helped us, shaped us, used us in the midst of those things. We've all got those kind of stories. And, and that's what we're trying to say. Hey, just, just remember, this is what we are. We are people at work, and God is working in and through us in the midst of all that. And so we're going to go there. So today, I'd like to just kind of remind us of a few things that we've talked about. And then I'd like to talk to you about just one more idea about this idea of God and work and all of that kind of stuff. So let me, let me just kind of get us started and remind us a little bit of what we talked about. First thing we talked about was this. We talked about this idea that God sees your work as ministry. Now, this is the idea to say God created us with work in mind. You remember that God rested from his work? Remember in Genesis, we talked about this. And he gave Adam, right at the very beginning, a job. His job was to take care of all the creation and put him in the garden to practice and do that. And, and so we do that. We were, we were made to work, and that's part of who and what we are. And so we, we do that kind of thing. And, that, and what we do is all the time work with God. And God sees it that way. We're, we're not people who say, well, I've got this little church segment of stuff that I do, and then I've got all the rest of my life. But But it's not that way. It's not church and work and play and family and all the rest of the stuff. It is one life, and God is continually at work in us and through us all the time. There's no no day off. There's no vacation time. I'm sorry. It's a lousy job, but it it is what it is. It's just just constantly we are invested in, in, in working with God, and God sees what we do as ministry. It's important. It's not just what you do here on a Sunday that matters. It It is things like... Well, like everything. I was going to give you an example, and all of a sudden I went, huh, that's not right. It's everything that we are. I was going to say, it's like going on this run this morning. How, how many of you did go on that run that are here? How many we got? But uh, good, we, got, we already clapped for you once, but I mean, we got about 10 or 12 of you right here, and a whole bunch more that went. And, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. It's the stuff of just, just showing up at work, and whatever it is that you do, it is work. Uh, Colossians 3.17 says this. It says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It is a sense, it doesn't matter what you're doing, we do it as unto God, right? That's ministry, everything. So whether you're flipping a hamburger, you're teaching a class, whether you're drawing a drawing, whether you're teaching whatever, doing whatever it is you're doing, it's for God and you do it for him. Second thing we talked about is this is that God uses the work environment to shape our character. So whether, again, whether you're at school or whether you're in the workplace or at home or wherever you're interacting with people, God uses those things and those places to help shape who we are and what we are. I I had a story that I really wanted to preach on and I didn't, and so I'm going to preach on it today very shortly. And, uh, And it's the story of Zacchaeus. And one of the reasons why I really like the story of Zacchaeus is 
is because it talks about this transformation. And, and perhaps if you don't remember the story of Zacchaeus, I'll sing you the song that Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Okay, you know the song. Okay, so then you probably know the story, so I don't need to tell you all the story. But, but you understand, Zacchaeus was not a great guy. And people didn't really like Zacchaeus for a couple of reasons. They didn't like Zacchaeus because, one, he worked for the Romans, and the Romans were their enemies, and they'd kind of taken over their lands, and, and he worked for them, and he was taking all their, people were taking their money from them. And then they didn't like him because he was a tax collector working for the Romans, and typically tax collectors were pretty wealthy people, and they didn't get wealthy because they were so honest. And they didn't get wealthy because Rome paid them so well. They got wealthy because they were snitching more than they should have from people. And, and they weren't liked. They were people that weren't liked. And Jesus came along and, and he sees Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, I can see something in you that nobody else can see. I'm after you, Zacchaeus. I want you. Come on down from that place. I'm going to your house today. And he came down and he went to their house and people went ballistic on Jesus. They said, what in the world are you doing with this guy? Don't you know? If you're so holy and if you're so good, don't you know who this guy is? What in the world are you doing with him? Zacchaeus stands up and he says, you know, my life's been changed. I'm different. And he says these words in Luke 19. He says, Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody, they should have just had one of those little smiley faces. Ha, ha, ha. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Zacchaeus stands up and says, my life is different because I've encountered Jesus. And and that is the reality of what happens to us. When when we encounter Jesus, he he shapes us and molds us and he changes our our morality and he changes our ethic and he changes how we function and he changes our attitudes and he changes our relationships and something's different because of him. And, And he does that most predominantly, he gives us the opportunity to test that out in our work environments. You come to church, everybody's pretty nice. Well, maybe not, but I don't know. I think most people are pretty nice in church, right? I mean, you come here, there are not too many grumpy people. There are not too many people doing all that kind of stuff. He gives you work to really see if you can live it out, really see what's going on. He gets you out there in the real world and all this stuff is going on and And you get a chance to say, well, what kind of ethic am I going to have? What kind of attitude am I going to take in response to this? What kind of morality am I going to live by in in my work environment? How am I going to do this? And and when temptation comes along, you have to make a choice to say, you know, who am I going to be? What kind of person am I going to be in the workplace? Because you know what? I can't. We already talked about it. It's not church and work and life. It is everything for God. So who am I going to be? And we make those choices, and, and God shapes our character in the midst of those things. Yes? Yes. Now, one last thing that I'm just drifting a little bit, and I'm going to drift a little bit. Take a deep breath. <laughs> what day is, what's Tuesday? It's election day. It's election day, right? Don't forget to vote. This is my pitch. Don't forget to vote. But this is what I want to say to you. Don't forget to vote who you are. Right? That's another compartment that sometimes we we kind of pull out and we say, well, I just do this over here because I'm affiliated with these circles or whatever, and so I vote that way. Folks, use your head when you go there. I don't care whether you're a Republican or Democrat or liberal or 
not a liberal, but I mean an independent or whatever. You, whatever you are, whatever you identify yourself, I don't care. Use your head. When you make a decision about a particular issue or a particular candidate, use your head. Vote like what you believe. You get it? I'm, just, just go vote. But remember that you carry your morality and your ethic and your values and the belief system out there. Don't, don't just pull the lever. Think about it. Think about what these people stand for. What do they believe in? What are they trying to accomplish? Yeah? Okay. Because that's part of our, you know, character, moral, living out in the world kind of thing, right? Okay, so enough of that. Number three. Okay, let your breath go. Didn't go too far, hopefully. (laughs) Number three. God uses your workplace, uses you in your workplace to give witness to the hope that you have within you. That's what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about this idea that, that, that... God has placed you where you are for a reason. You are in relationships that give you opportunity right in your workplace, right in your relationships, in the home, in the PTA, in your sport teams, whatever it is. He gives you a chance to be able to share the hope that you have within you. Now, one more time, this is not about beating people up with the gospel. This is not about saying, you need Jesus or you're in big trouble. This is about giving reasons, explanations for the hope that's within you when people ask you about it, Okay. This is my little theory, though. You remember what I talked about last week? People are more interested than you think they are. And if we're living well, what we talk about in the morality and the ethic and all that kind of stuff of what we're trying to do in Christ, people are going to ask you because you're going to be different. People are going to ask you. A couple of scripture verses we looked at. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations always be filled with grace and seasoned with salt. You understand what this is? Filled with grace. When you're in the workplace, you ought to be the most gracious person that's in your team, right? Filled with grace. Seasoned with salt. You know what that means? Let your conversations build people up. Make it better, right? So that you'll know how to answer everyone. Because if you're doing that, people are going to say, what in the world's going on? You say, well, you know, that's what I received. I got grace and mercy from God, and it changed my life, and that's what I want to give to you. So it's all good. Somehow it'll work out. First Peter chapter 3.15 says, In your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. That's what he calls us to Just live out your faith and be ready to answer when people ask you questions. And once in a while, when he just nudges and he's moving, be bold. Why not? Take a chance. Fourth thing is this. God is working within you and through you for the long haul. This is my new thought for today. See, because if I could say anything to you, I just want to say this, is don't give up Don't give up on living out your faith in your workplace, in your school, in your relationships. Just don't give up on that stuff. Sometimes we say things like, man, I've tried to to be a good witness to my coworker and man, it ain't happening. And you know, I've I've tried this, my friend at school, you know, and they they just don't want, you know. And we give up on that stuff. And we say, well, nothing's ever going to happen. I'm going to move on, whatever. 
I just want to tell you, don't give up. Don't give up on God's good work in and through you wherever he has planted you. Don't give up on it. it we, we, the problem is, you know, we live in this rapid response kind of world. That we, we want results and, and, and we want it right now. We, we want it. It's fast food and the highest yields on your investments. It's the ultra max in internet speeds. It's learning a language in three lessons in three simple weeks. I mean, it's, it's just like, oh, you can do it, you know. Cliff notebooks and speed dating. I bought a golf club not too long ago called the Superfast. The Taylor Superfast. And it was, man, I could hit that ball so fast, just like that, right out of bounds. It, it, it was, I was fast, man. It was light. It was quick. I had to have it. I went and got it, and, and I didn't like it that much. But we kind of live in that world. We want it fast. We want to go quick with it. And sometimes we unintentionally transfer that kind of, got to have it now kind of mind, mindset with what God is doing in us and through us and around us and we miss the fact that God doesn't always work like that, that he's just not into it for a moment. He's, he looks at life and us with this eternal perspective. And that's a little different. And sometimes from our perspective, it seems like nothing's happening or it seems like it's going really slow or like, oh, my goodness, when is this going to change? But, but you got to think about some of the stories from Scripture. We spent a lot of time talking about Abraham and, and, and kind of all that God did in his life and through the promises and all that stuff. But let me just remind you of this kind of chronological thing that we have going on with Abraham. Abraham was 75 years old when God first began to talk to him, or Abram, when God first began to talk to him about this big thing that God was going to do in his life. God came to him and said, you know, go with me, and I'm going to make you this great nation. I'm, I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to, you're going to have so many people in your family. You're going to outnumber the stars and the, outnumber the sands, and, and it's just going to be this huge, big, wonderful, grand kind of thing, and I'm going to do this in and through you, right? 75 years old. How many of you are waiting for a big vision when you're 75? Now, they lived longer then, so what, let's just call it 45. <laughs> yeah, big vision. Okay, here we go. So he's 75. Now, now get this. He's 99 years old. I got 75. I'm going to make you this big nation. You're going to have so many descendants. They're going to outnumber the stars in the sand. And I'm going to do it through you and Sarah. That's 75. Now he's 99 years old. 99 years old. And God shows up and says, Abraham, you've been going the wrong direction. It's not through these other ways that you've been messing around with. It's Sarah. 99. Okay, God. He's 100 when Isaac is born. 100 years years old. 25 years have gone by before this promise is even beginning. Okay, get this. So he's 100 years old when he's born. 
at around 110 maybe, we don't know exactly the age, but somewhere in that range, he takes his dream, his son, out in the wilderness and says, God, I'm ready to sacrifice my dream to you. If this is what you want, I'm ready to sacrifice my dream. 110. He's 137 years old, más o menos. That's more or less for those of you that haven't made the class at 4 o'clock. Más o menos. He's 137 years old before he sees his first grandchild. You get this? 137 years old. Okay. You know, I think somewhere along the way there, I'd have begun to say, God... What happened to the nation? What happened to the stars and the sands and all the big thing that we were going to do? I'm 137 years. I've had 50 years of my life go by and more. And I've got one, well, two (laughs) grandchildren. What's the deal? 137 years old. Finally, the scripture tells us that that Abraham lived to the age of 175 years old. 175. I hope people around me will say this about me, uh, what they said to to, uh, Abraham, Genesis 25, verse 7 and 8. This is kind of a summary of that, but it says that he breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years. Wouldn't that be good? 175 years old. You suppose he sat at 175 years old or 174 years old and said, God was so good, he promised me this big thing and here it is. Or do you suppose he might have thought, hmm, I'm 174 years old and I've not really seen all of the vision that I had when you said a great nation and the father of many nations and descendants that outnumbered the stars and outnumbered the sands. There he was. You see, but God has a different perspective. And, and, I, and I have this thought that when, when we think about stories like him, and, and, and just go back through the scriptures, I mean, they're all over. These, these huge things that God is doing, and, and, and we get these little pieces, and we don't realize that it's just one piece of this big story of what God is doing, this story that's bigger than us. And so I, I, I have a question in the bulletin if, you're, if you look at those things. But, and this is my question for you. Is what has God spoken to you about? What has God spoken to you about? Or, or what have you dreamed about with God that will go beyond your years? Because sometimes we think about our work and, and, and we're, we're working and we're doing all into the Lord, but, but we're really looking for retirement and we're looking for an answer and we're looking for this. And I 
I had one of the most depressing things somebody ever said to me one time. It was my first day of work on my first real job. I graduated with my master's in counseling, and I was starting at work at a community counseling center. It was my first day, and my parents were there, and my parents' best friends were there at the house, and we were having breakfast, and and uh, and we were talking, and and this guy who, you know, I was like, why did you need to say this to me? He said, well, congratulations. You're now starting. You're just one day closer to retirement. Just 45 years to go. And I went, why would you say that to me on the first day of my <laughs> 45 years? I was like, oh, my goodness. So, but, but, but we have these little perspectives on life and and, and, and I think God would remind us that what he's doing in and us and through us is, is bigger. It's bigger. And my, my question for you is, what is God doing in and through you? What is he talking to you about that's bigger, bigger than you, that's going to outlast you? Because, you know, and I'm telling you all this because... I want to get to two little truths about Jesus at work. And, and they're just they're simple things, but important for us to remember. Is that God is always at work, even when you don't see it. Even when you don't see it. Sometimes, you know, we're doing stuff. We're trying to be who God wants us to be. We're, we're plugging away. We're doing our stuff. And we think, well, God, really, what are you doing? And how are you working? And and, and we don't see it, but God is at work. And the second thing I just want you to understand is this, is that God's good work in and through you is bigger than you. It's not just about you. We aren't following God just for us. I mean, yes, we're following him because he loves us and we have this personal relationship with him and all this, but, but God is doing something that's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. And to all of that, let me just close with three verses. First one is Galatians 6, 9, if you're keeping track of those things. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly. I just think about Abraham in this whole process. Outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. That is God doing this work in us along the way that outweighs them all. And hear this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There is, there is this big thing that God is doing in and through you. And we don't always see it. We don't always get it, but he's doing it. He is. And in a moment, I'm going to, ask you to do something for me. The band is going to come and play. And, but while they're doing that, I, I want to ask you this question one more time. It's, it's in your bulletin. What is God doing 
What does he talk to you about? What are you dreaming with God that's going to outlast you? That, that's bigger than you. That, that's beyond what you think of. Don't give up on that thing. Don't give up on that person at work. Don't give up on that family member. Don't give up on making a difference in our world. I'm looking at our college students. I'm thinking, I know, I know it's kind of crazy, but I, I am, I'm just saying to you, I, I, I don't know why I just think this. I was sitting where you're sitting 40 years ago. And I feel so thankful that God's done wonderful things, but he's going to use you to make a difference in our world. He is. Make a difference in one life or maybe a whole cultural life. Maybe change a culture. Maybe change something. I, I, I tell a story. You know, Billy Graham won thousands and thousands and thousands of people to the Lord, right? We know this. But what about the guy who won Billy Graham to the Lord? Just, just one guy. Just a Sunday school teacher. The impact that we can have will outlive us, will go beyond us. And maybe he's got something that he's talking to you about. And I, I want to invite you. That I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right on my board. I, I, we've got these talk boards. We've got two of them here. We've got another one outside. Just as a testimony to say, God, I am not giving up on this person. I am not giving up on this situation. I'm not giving up on this need that I feel called to make a difference in. I just want to encourage you. Go there. Grab a piece of chalk. Just, I mean, we've almost filled the whole things up, so there's not a lot of room. But in just a word or two, just between you and God, just say, I'm not giving up. Even though I don't see all the answers, even though I don't understand it all, God, I'm, I'm charging on with you. I've got some friends here. These guys are going to the mission field in June. They're going to be back and talk to us in a few months. They're, they're walking away from jobs and all this other stuff because they feel this call to go and make a difference. That's a big deal. But you know what? It's not always about going far away. I have this little thing that I want to have generations of my family be Christ followers. Great-grandchildren that I may never see or never see to grow up. I want to see I want to see to come follow him. I have a heart and a vision to see hundreds of people come to know Jesus Christ right here through the ministries of this church. What is that thing that God has talked to you about that's bigger than you, that will outlast you? As we sing these songs, come in just a word or two, just... Say, God, I affirm it again. Into your hands do we give all that we are, God. You're bigger than us. You're working in ways that we don't see. And it's not about us. It is far bigger. But Lord, we're going to live it out every day, everywhere, in every way. because we're yours. So God, do your work in and through us now and beyond us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.